once forged in the fires of PR and journalism, Curtis Dewar and Corey Westbrook united to create C-Squared. Now on our podcast, we interview musicians and other industry professionals to give you an inside look on how to take your music to the next level. Hello, everyone. You are listening to the C Squared podcast with Corey and Curtis. And for those of you who might be wondering, yes, my eye is fine. And I do want to give a quick shout out to Keefe from Ghost Cult Magazine for hosting us today, like he always does. We love you, Keefe. And I also want to wing a welcome James Shotwell. He is joining us again for some awesome social media tips to answer all of your questions that you've got about social media, some do's and don'ts, problems he sees, pitfalls, and areas people can improve. So thank you for joining us again. We're glad to have you back. Thanks. I'm glad to be here. You have such a good way of saying my name. It makes me feel like I, I just feel like I have a mouthful of marbles all the time. Look at you. Oh, dude, <laughs> I actually have a stutter. And so I was doing my damnedest to not <laughs> stutter through that <laughs> and not laugh because I made Curtis crack up. <laughs> so, so how is your eye anyways, Corey? <laughs> <laughs> hey, honestly, you should see the Subaru. All right. I mean, I held my own against that car door. <laughs> that's awesome Uh, but yeah concealer is my best friend (laughs) so getting this back on track for a second now that we know that we know that we've all established that Corey won in that fight um so today we got James and we're going to be talking about social media in general and uh we had him on last time we went over a little bit about social media but I want to go a little bit more in depth today so very first thing uh we want to go over is mistakes that you observe personally that bands make in social media. Well, I'll I'll start with one that uh, that happened today. It wasn't necessary. It started on social media, and then it became like a snowball. That by the time we realized what had happened, we were it was like too late. We had to just settle. Mm-hmm. So, um, an artist I work with is is making a new album right now, and they made the album independently, right? So, so they funded it themselves, no label involvement, and early on in the process. They tweeted out like, you know, who should we get on this album? Like as a guest feature and a bunch of cool artists reached out who liked the artist and was like, oh, I'm totally whatever you need. I'm there for you. So, so the album has like, I don't know, like six features on it. None of them are significant. Like none of them are like an entire verse. They're all like harmonies or maybe they sing one line of the bridge or something. It's all very, very little and purposeful. So we got them all done. The uh, masters are back records going off to get printed soon and uh we and the label has agreed to put out the record on vinyl so they're going to pay all those costs but the artist is still retaining all the rights to their music all that jazz it's all theirs they're basically licensing the album out to the label to put it on vinyl so uh we were in the final conversations for the record and the the new label is like you know do you have the clearances for all of your guest features and the artist is like yeah i mean they all chose to participate in the album so yeah we're good and they're like, okay, but do you have like everyone that needs to say yes, you have a yes from them? And I was like, yeah. Oh, no. and, they were, and they were like, yeah. Oh, this totally. is going to end horribly. Absolutely. Oh, no. So I was like, you know what? <laughs> I'll send some emails to double check just to cover our bases. So uh, a few of the artists, it was like, no problem, no problem, no problem. Uh, one of the labels that I emailed for, because they haven't have one of the artists was like, so happy they were like oh this is great this is going to be amazing for their career and then there's one that didn't email me back and i was like whatever the rest of them are fine we're going to be okay they say they're okay i mean we didn't chase after the artist the artist came to us they said i want to do it we sent them the song they sent back the final version they were like this is the what we want to give you you can use it we're excited to be involved in the record process so i I sent a second email to their to their uh their team being like just so you know uh your artist is on this album uh it's it's done it's coming out in in a few months and uh here's the song in question we want to you know use it in promotion and we want to make sure that we can like tag them and everything and all that jazz and uh, about 30 seconds later i got a reply email back that was like what is this? What, what are you like uh this is the first we're hearing about this and i was like oh it's done like it's it's very much done um so, so then it was like, all right, well, is it, are, are they on a label? I was like, no, they're not. They're, well, it's in the whole thing. I explained everything again. 
And they yeah. go, can you connect me to the label and CC this other guy uh, who I assumed was also part of the team later found out it was their lawyer. And uh, so then I sent an email being like, so, hey, uh, so the team behind this artist was like, we don't know what you're talking about. Uh, <laughs> so oh, here's an email to get us all on the same page. And then they wrote and they were like, uh, you can't use their name. And we're oh, like, no. oh, we're like, but but they are the person that did the thing. Like, like they, they came to us and they want to do it. And like, they're all in. And they're like, yeah, well, but we, we have an exclusive contract for the name that the public knows. You can uh, use them as a feature, but you have to use their, like, their uh, government name, for lack of a better description. Their yeah. like, birth certificate name? Yeah, and like, you can't say blah, blah, blah of this, of this project. Oh. Um, you have to just say there, you just have to say John Smith and people have to know who John Smith is. Yeah. And we were like, well, that's, that seems wrong. And they're like, no. Uh, so, so, so the lesson here is don't, don't go for collaborations through social media DMs. And if you do make sure that everyone involved has told their teams, because now what's going to happen is thankfully because of all the delays in production, we're going to have to pull back the, the vinyl design for the, for the case and actually put out a new version that has the correct name on it. We won't be able to tag the band, the artists group in uh, in any of the promotional rollout. And we really, we're pretty petty at, at my HQ. So for a bit, we were like texting back and forth, like how we could use the name without being sued. So like, what if we just changed the song title to the name of their band? Mm -hmm. <laughs> if, we just, if it was just, you know, uh, if we just all of a sudden made it like ACDC featuring Brian Johnson, you know, just, just uh -huh. put it together yourself. Uh -huh. <laughs> but uh -huh. uh, so we ended up talking to the artist who did the collab and we we're like, so your management doesn't know what's uh, what's up with this collab and they're like oh should i have told them oh, no. <laughs> oh dear god <laughs> it's done it's oh, been mastered <laughs> and they're like oh yeah they're they just called me and they are not happy <laughs> we're like okay so so long story short we're going to use their government name <laughs> and the lesson here is make sure that you ask permission which is dumb right because on uh in theory people always get upset especially in like rock and metal where they're like artists don't collab enough like why don't you see you know corn collabing with some other major band to create some great crossover and the lesson here is because somebody that is not involved in corn and the other band has to say yes to that yep. and they don't have any financial reason to say yes to it like we're, we basically went to somebody and was like we're going to use the name that your company helped make famous we're probably not going to pay you much if anything for it and mm. uh, it's going to help us so thanks for that and they're like no <laughs> like it's it's easy to understand why they said no but it's also one of those like industry red tape things that people hate to talk about where it's like artist a wants to do it artist b wants to do it they made it but then the teams all get involved and you're like why but why do you have a problem with it like isn't it their intellectual property yeah. um and it's not so there's there's social media lesson number one for you today that's social media Saturday lesson morning. number one do not do important contract business things <laughs> via facebook messenger or twitter yeah. dms <laughs> yeah exactly exactly it should be more than a text conversation so <laughs> okay so that that's probably the worst thing i think i've ever heard to date i think that's probably <laughs> topped everything um is there any other ones that even come from a mistake? Like, uh, yeah, <laughs> totally. <laughs> Every um, other mistake is going to look so small compared to this. Yeah, I mean, all the other stuff is just, I mean, most social media mistakes are really basic things, right? Like people, yeah. people confuse social media as being um, a platform strictly for promotion when in reality it's, you know, it's a people platform. It's a conversation yeah. platform, you know? So, you know, don't const don't always be selling. If you can actually avoid saying the word buy this or stream this, do so as often as possible. Um, you don't have to tell anybody that your music is available everywhere because we all assume that it is unless in, unless you've strangely decided not to put it on everything and you can make a campaign around that you know Bandcamp exclusive but there's no reason to be like available now on all platforms that stuff's dumb like obviously it is if you're advertising it to me it's available wherever i would get music uh so that's common sense mistakes like that um, and then there used to be this really popular trend that I still see artists doing because uh, people have written articles about it where they would just spend all their time 
basically you would find an artist that sounds like you or that you align yourself with in some way, shape or form. So if I'm like mm -hmm. uh, an emo rock band, I might go to My Chemical Romance's Twitter account, click on mm -hmm. their followers. And then I just heavy lifting, follow every single person that follows My Chemical Romance's account. Oh. And studies show that you will get, you know, one to 3% of those people will undoubtedly follow you back just out of habit, right? Someone follows you, yep. you follow them back. That's like the unspoken agreement of social media. Yep. Um, and then, and then you go back and you just unfollow all of those people that you just followed. So uh, I've talked to several artists who ended up with like 20, 30, 40, even 50,000 followers because every day they just followed the maximum number of people Twitter would allow, wait for those, give it like four days then unfollow all those people and then do it all over again and just, you know, rinse and repeat over and over again. And what ends up happening is you build this big audience that is entirely passive. It's, it's yeah. almost like buying fake followers, except the, the payment is your time. <laughs> and now there's um, software that tracks who is unfollowing you. So mm -hmm. I've seen it where people do the follow unfollow. And the moment they go unfollow, they have a massive amount of other people who unfollow them because they see that you just follow unfollowed. <laughs> so, yep. Yeah, it's now bad. everybody yeah. can see what you're doing. So even those people that did decide to follow, you're going to lose a massive chunk the moment you unfollow them because mm -hmm. they can see you now. They're watching you. <laughs> and 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 the other the other old trick that people still seem to preach that is awful is the uh, the mass liking of content. So uh, you know the other day, actually, this is really relevant because right now we're doing this uh, challenge. Doer, yep. you and I, we did yep. a video the other day about TikTok. I got yep. a couple of followers on Instagram who then liked my last 20 posts in a row and sent me a DM where they were like, I really liked your social media talk today. And I was like, I don't know if you listened to it. Oh my <laughs> I, mean, uh, I know that you saw it, but like that, that approach is like no one, it's not flattering. It's so, so, so obviously like you don't know how to engage with me in a way that will make me legitimately care about what you're doing musically. So instead yep. you feel like if you just shower me with likes, I'll be like, you know what? I'm going to write about your band or I'm going to talk about your band or whatever it is. I'm going to help you in some way because you, you help my ego with a few hearts. <laughs> no, uh, the, the ingenuine nature of all of that is so like transparent. It's, yep. it's surprising that people are still doing it rather than interacting in any kind of a meaningful way. Yep. Oh, happens all the time. <laughs> happens all the time. Um, and, and then I guess the last thing I would say, the last like one that I preach a lot is, uh, when you see other artists promoting content that maybe isn't, uh, you know, that there's an error, there's a level of trial and error to every artist that like successfully handles social media. Like you really yep. have to be constantly testing the waters and figuring out what kind of content the people that follow you like, but also the people that you can attract, how to attract people. And that requires a lot of trial and error. And something yep. that I've been trying to talk to a lot of artists about is uh, finding a sense of patience with the artists that you like or other artists in your community and understanding that if you see uh, something that you're like, that seems like silly or uh, cliche or whatever that, you know, everyone's just trying to figure it out. It's a learning process for everybody. What works yep. for the My Chemical Romance won't work for you for a myriad of reasons. Um, the idea of like following a social media behavior from two years ago is like trying to apply ancient textbooks to what you're doing right now. It's just, just not how it works. It's always changing. So a little bit of patience, not just with others, but also with yourself, you know, you're going to, you're going to have a lot of tweets that fail or a lot of Instagram stories that don't get engagement and that's okay. It's about figuring out what will, and then slowly doubling down over time. Before we move on to the next question that Corey's going to ask, um, I actually wanted to get Corey's opinion on something that you just said about the mass liking on posts, because she also works as a social media marketer. Um, have you ever seen that work, Corey? Because I, I know it to no. be all ingenuous. No, what I do um, when I'm doing that kind of cold engagement thing, because cold engagement can work, is yep. I find something that I genuinely have an interest in. So like on Instagram, I'll do, I'll, I'll search for like hashtag metal memes and I'll go in there and I'll interact with those posts because I find them hilarious. Mm -hmm. And you can tell that those, that's something that I genuinely, I mean, who doesn't like memes, yeah, but right. it's like, it's some low hanging fruit, but I go in there and I'll be like, you know, or like all the vulgar display of power memes that are just out there for everybody. Mm -hmm. Just go in there and interact with those or memes that talk about a band that I like and, you know, go comment your favorite song or something like that. And it's, I mean, there are ways to cold engage in a genuine way. Mm. Oh. But the mass liking thing, 
just annoys the, like when I go, Mm -hmm. when somebody follows me and then they've liked 30 of my posts, I know what you're doing. Yeah. Yeah. No one's impressed. (laughs) I'm like, I'm just waiting for the DM. If I see that many likes roll in, I'm like, you're about to send me a question that you're about to send me your band. Um, Asshole. I'm going to like both of your guys' last 30 posts on Instagram. (laughs) Take the time. That would be like two years for me. I'm really bad about posting to my Instagram. Yeah. I'm really bad about posting about myself. But like, (laughs) If somebody commented on, so I have a picture of a deer in a blue, in a blueberry field on my Instagram that I took (laughs) and somebody commented like, Whoa, that is a really cool picture. I might actually go look at their band because that's more genuine than going and liking all of my posts from the past 500 years. It took, it took a 4% effort. Yeah. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, I want to point out something too. I just followed James for the first time on Instagram. Apparently I didn't realize I wasn't following him. So this actually gained him a follower by uh, doing this interview. There we go. There we go. Um, Wow. (laughs) Um, I wanted to add real quick. uh, One more mistake. It's not even a mistake. It is a mistake to some degree. It's something I've been thinking about a lot lately and talking about a lot with artists is there's this new breed of musicians who uh, understand what Corey just said, that everybody likes memes. And they've almost made uh, their entire social presence uh, uh, out of shit posting, basically. They're just posting memes all the time. And like, they almost, the problem is, is that you end up becoming a punchline, right? Like Mm -hmm. now there's this, there's a band that I love, Heart Attack Man. I've written about them a ton of times. They've gotten very, very popular in the alternative scene because they do just a ton of memes and silly, and like everything is so superfluous and silly and surreal. But at this point, I no longer know when they're being serious when they talk about things. Like they have this new EP that's coming at some point. They post like photos of a test press, but I know for a fact that like there's no date set, there's no nothing. And I'm like, does this album exist? Like I, I no longer know where reality ends and, and the memedom starts. And when yeah. it comes to their fan base, it's getting harder and harder to decide, okay, how many people are actually supporting this band financially and how many people just like the joke? And yeah. how do you ever hope to move forward as an artist with your community if you can't shake away like, oh, we aren't just a meme band. Like it's yeah. a really strange marketing technique that can be so successful, successful, but you end up crossing a point of no return where it's like, who are you without the memes? And yeah. that's- There is a band that I think does the meme like sprinkling really, really well. It's a uh, hexacon is what mm-hmm. they're, they're called. I don't know if you're familiar with them. They're kind of a, a tiny little band, but um they they do memes every once in a while and a lot of the times they'll be memeing themselves mm-hmm. and i mean i've done that with the the band that i manage where like i photoshopped their vinyl into that shot of christian bale from american psycho where he's holding the cd yep. but i replaced yep. the cd with their vinyl mm-hmm. and so like you can sprinkle in memes and you can sprinkle in memes about yourself but it, it can't be all memes because then who are you even Nobody will know who you are, what you're about, what your music's about. All they'll know is that you do memes. Yeah, you want to do enough that your audience starts, kind of takes the reins themselves, right? Like another Mm -hmm. band I really follow, Hot Mulligan, they reached this point in creating memes about themselves where their fans did it because they realized that it would get engagement with the band, the band would share it, blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. Once you kind of get that self-generating content machine up and running, you need to pull back and let your exactly kind of run it. You're basically showing them how to market yourself. And once they figure it out, you should switch gears and do something else because that's going to keep running on its own. Now it's a, it's a spinning <laughs> plate that you have gotten to maximum velocity. Oh. Exactly. Exactly. Okay. Are we, are we done on cons? <laughs> I, I actually guess. had one question. I wanted James's opinion on this. I got asked this question the other day and Ooh. I personally think that this is a con, but I want your feedback on it too. When bands don't know social media, there has there have been people giving advice that if you don't know how to do social media, don't do anything. Mm, and I, I personally think that that is the worst thing you can do is absolutely nothing. But I wanted your opinion on that one. I mean, I think I agree. I always, you know, I, I'm a big believer in the in trial and error, and like it's, mm-hmm. it's not. A, I always tell people like you don't have to be on everything, but you have to be somewhere where people who will like you can find you. Uh, so I don't care if like, I have, I have an artist I'm working with right now who loves Instagram, super engaged on Instagram, has a Twitter, doesn't really use it, has a Facebook, doesn't really use it, is not getting on TikTok and doesn't, just doesn't have an interest in it. And he's like, I guess I should, because it seems like that's where things are happening. And my, it was like, yeah, but there's, I, I always talk about how we have a, as humans, there's this intangible 
ability to know when someone's being their authentic self. And if you try to have a social presence on a platform where you don't have any interest in being on that platform, it comes through in your content, whether or not you think it does. Even if it's high quality, there's this like sense of like, you aren't really, you don't really care about this. So I was like, just, just double, just, you know, if Instagram is working, then like, let's make a whole plan around Instagram and we'll build it there. And, you know, generic promotional stuff, wherever you've already established a page, just so that we can feed that audience, but like, let's funnel them all towards the Instagram and, and not worry about the rest. Like there's sometimes there's a little bit of fun in trying to find where an artist lives online. If you're, if you're a new listener, you want to devour everything, you know, uh, but abstaining altogether is, seems like a very bad decision. <laughs> like that seems, that seems wrong. I mean, you can focus heavily on building an email list and really limit your time online. I believe that you can take long breaks from social media if you do it well, but you still need to be present somewhere. You know, you have exactly. to be a part of that, the conversation. That yeah. was my thought too, but I wanted to make sure I wasn't totally crazy on this because yeah. like, that's what I always tell people is the worst thing you can do is nothing. Yeah. Even yeah. if you post something, and we'll just assume that you didn't post something questionable, but you post mm-hmm. something that doesn't get all that much engagement. It just kind of falls flat. It's still a learning experience. It's still something valuable. You know what doesn't work. Now go try something new. And yeah. how are you going to learn if you don't do anything? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Like you, you got to put it out there. You got to try it. And my thing is like, again, bringing it back to to the idea of using memes, like that's a, that's a great way to do it. Uh, Sometimes I'll just have my artists give me their login and I will build up like a reserve of like random things we can throw out into the ether that will just generate a small amount of engagement just to let Mm -hmm. people know we're still there. Cause eventually we're going to rely on them to spread the message about something important. So we need to keep giving them some kind of thing. Like uh, I have an artist who just had a decade. So uh, uh, we missed the decade of of an EP that they released by like 10 days i don't even remember how i figured it out i just was like oh man we we missed the anniversary so i texted them and i was like we missed the anniversary of blah 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 and they replied to me and they're like why would i why would i care and i was like it doesn't matter if you care you have fans who discovered you because of that ep so we Mm -hmm. have we so it's easy win to go out there and be like oh today is the x anniversary of this What's your favorite song? Are you still listening to it? Here's the Spotify link. Uh, here's a here's a video someone posted from the tour we did when that album came out. Whatever, like we did, kind of did all those things in one post, and it got a ton of engagement. They're like, I don't even like that record, and I was like, it, it does not matter. Doesn't matter. <laughs> like to someone out there, it is the best thing you've ever made. So just go out there and act like you, because you're proud of it. So just go out there and you know let them celebrate that moment with you. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, but we've been. I think we've <laughs> spent enough time on the cons side of, of social media and what not to do and not how not to bomb. What are some of the best things that you have seen bands doing social media wise, the best strategies, best tactics? Ooh, best things. Um, that's, that's a good question. I enjoy, I think Instagram story questions are my favorite thing that I see artists do because they feel the most interactive and it doesn't even have to be about their music. I have an artist who really loves to read. He asks a lot of book related questions, like what's most overrated, underrated. If you could only recommend one book to somebody, what would it be? Stuff like that. It really creates a nice sense of community. And there's like, uh, you kind of see the Venn diagram of what all the interests of people that like their music are because they're, you know, pulling all these different book ideas, things like that. So story questions, I think is is a really strong campaign. Plus it raises engagement in an interesting way where you're engaging one-on-one with somebody yet your entire community is bearing witness to the conversation. Like on Twitter, if you reply to a tweet, maybe somebody else, maybe other people will see it or maybe the fan will retweet it. But if it's a story response, you know, it goes live to everybody and people are just kind of taking part in this active discussion with you. Um, mm-hmm. Beyond that, I've seen, uh, we talked about this in the TikTok thing the other day, uh, mm-hmm. Curtis, but I really love, I really love introductory pieces. Like I love short biographies about how we got to where we are right now, whether that is the album that you just made condensed into like a 90 second documentary teaser. But on mm-hmm. TikTok, there are some artists that are just doing these amazing ways of like taking their entire career and telling you in a minute or less what it is and like this is who we are this is where we are from this is our label this is what we do here's a clip of us in the van of, of us on the stage of us in the studio of us making this video for you right now and it's like 
in, in a minute or less, I know everything I need to know about this band to immediately go off and be their supporter. And it's, if I share, if I like the song and I share it with somebody, I have enough information to be like, oh, it's great, right? That band is from Bakersfield and they're on this record label and they've only been together for like two years, but this song's super good, right? There's a video for it on YouTube because I saw a clip of it in this TikTok clip. And all of a sudden, like in 60 seconds or less, I have everything I need to be like an ambassador for this band versus hearing a song, going to your Twitter account or your Instagram account and being like, oh, they're going on tour or whatever it is they're doing right now. I think yep. it's, I think it's becoming increasingly important for like, it's almost like the evolution of the EPK, right? It used to be like all these like photos and all these disparate pieces of information, making like a short little thing that people can just watch and share. That's like, this is our, this is who we are. This is what we do. We'd love for you to be a part of it and making it shareable for people. I think that that is like the absolute best game right now in terms of building an audience. <laughs> Let me ask you this, James, because um, I know that me and Corey kind of feel that Facebook isn't very good for getting interaction or anything nowadays, but do you see any bands or do you know of anything that uh, bands can do to increase engagement there? Because it's been horrible for most bands. <sighs> I feel like, no, I just feel like it's, I feel like it's horrible. It's, it's one of those things where again, I think the social media right now to succeed as an artist is all about figuring out where the highest concentration of your followers already exist and then building yep. out from there. Yep. So it's very rare for a lot of young bands to find that their concentrated fan base is going to be on Facebook. They're gonna be on yep. some other platform. And Facebook kind of becomes secondary because you're going up against the algorithm, yes, but also like your, your fans don't care about it. So you can't really produce content that's going to make them care about Facebook. The best thing you can do is create some piece of content that has some crossover capabilities where you can share it on Facebook, but it lives some, somewhere else. Mm -hmm. um, I can't think of all the bands that I work with that do anything that is fairly successful on Facebook right now. It, it's 99% of it is crossover content or yeah. it's, it's, um, it's a longer form piece of video content that doesn't really fit on uh, Twitter or, or Instagram or TikTok or anything like that. For example, like not to, br to bring it back to memes for a second, even though it wasn't really a meme, uh, we did this run with one of my artists where we found movies that have really cool song cues, you know, just those defining moments in movies. And we would just swap out uh, the song that's in the movie with a song that they had made and then just posting it as if it was always that way. Uh, and, and on Facebook that works really well as long as you, you know, own your music and you don't get flagged with the copyright of it all. <laughs> um, but on Facebook, we could post a bigger clip like that and it wouldn't get pulled. So like uh, when the Sonic movie came out, there's this big scene where he runs through a bar at lightning speed while an ex-ambassador song comes on. We replaced it with my artist song and we just laid like a meme on Facebook where we were like, oh, we're so grateful that the team behind Sonic the Hedgehog loved this song so much that they just had to use it for this scene. Still can't get over it. And it had like a thousand shares and people were like, oh my God, I'm going to go watch Sonic now. Like they didn't uh, almost like they didn't even know we were joking for a bit that's and hilarious in, in that instance it worked and that content has legs because people are like oh i love this scene and they almost don't even think about the fact that the song doesn't belong because it fits so well there's like awesome. oh this is this is really cool that this worked um but in terms of organic content aside from the occasional live that i see go well it just it just doesn't you know like uh yeah. I know MXPX had a lot of success recently. They did a live stream and instead of just hosting it on their own platform, I think they partnered with like a dozen publications to do it across a bunch of different platforms. So they were on Spin's Twitch channel and then on Facebook, Alternative Press and uh, Rock Sound and Kerrang, I think all ran it on their individual channels as a live stream through their content channel. And then on mm -hmm. YouTube, another publication ran it as their exclusive on YouTube. And that kind of worked that I know that that was really successful for them, but again, it wasn't necessarily like content on their page. They just had a lot of cool media partners that all agreed to play nice for a change, which is rare. <laughs> um, so just before we move on, move, move uh, away from the pros, do you, uh, do you, do you know of any specific pros that a band has done on, uh, for example, Instagram? Cause we haven't really talked about Instagram as a native mm. yet. Oh, um, I've seen some really cool uses of the, the, what do they call them? Um, the mo moments, right? Like on Instagram, not your story, but when you save a story to be on your profile forever, those are called like moments, the little circles. I, oh. I, I, yeah. The little things that I write above your main feed. I've seen yep. some artists use that as a way to do a form of 
documentary storytelling to be like, uh, you know, behind the scenes of the album, making the video, here's clips from the video and kind of like pushing all those clips together to kind of tell a story. Mm -hmm. So I, I think that that's really cool. And you can also use that as a way to document fan engagement and stuff. You know, if your fan makes some art or something, you can have one of those moments on your feed that brings together all the fan art or all the fan interactions. And then your fans, mm -hmm. can, you they live there forever and they feel like they're a part of your journey more, right? Cause they'd be like, oh, go to their page, click on that moment. You'll see my picture or you'll see the thing that I made for them. That's, mm -hmm. that's really good for engagement retention. I like seeing that kind of stuff. Um, I'm over seeing any kind of cool feed layouts they never look good for a long period of time nope. i never want to see somebody give me a grid of their album cover again like that's like the nine yep. picture reveal it it looks yep. so messy after like like a yep. week later that it just looks gross forever yep. yeah. oh, i hate those now they just yeah yep. there's a few kids on on tiktok that are like promoting um making your entire layout flow together by like overlapping photos and stuff like that. And it's really cool, but that's a lot of work. And I, I tend to be in the business of like, if it's going to pull away from your time to be creative or work on your music, then it's probably not worth it right now. Wait until you find some college kid. That's like, let me be your marketing intern and then task them with doing that. <laughs> do, we, do we have anything else pro we want to ask Corey or? Um, just one thing I wanted to point out that you know, one of our clients actually did find a way, and I've seen it work other ways, to get some engagement on Facebook, and that's to ask a question, just a direct question in yep. one of their posts. He asked, uh, how did you find my music? And yep. it got like 100 comments in just less than an hour. It was just bam, crap yep. ton of comments. So if you are really desperate to get some Facebook engagement, that is a way to do it is just sprinkling in some questions. Yeah. Um, but you can't do that with every single post. Nope. But, but it does help to keep the the page top of mind. But I also did want to ask your opinion on Facebook fan groups. What do you think of those? I mean, I love, I think that they, uh, that is the one place where I think Facebook excels because they, mm -hmm. the power they retain is, is kind of amazing if you get a good one going, right? Mm -hmm. The problem is the, the, the drawback, and this is really a catch 22, is that if you mess up in some way, that same group is going to turn very yes. quickly. Like I was in a, I was in a group for a band I liked for a long time. They got outed for, you know, being problematic in their own ways for a myriad of reasons kind of got canceled and then all of a sudden this group of people who come together on this band like in the same day we're all of a sudden like is it cool to admit that this band was never really that good it was just about the connections we made along the way like it then all of a sudden you have this like home base of people who are just hating on you <laughs> like yes. this is spitting vitriol um but up until that point it was really good i'm in a i'm in the communities for uh jason isbell and need to breathe and uh bob seeger uh and a few other ones and i think that they're really cool because the you can really make a community there like people really get to know one another they there are people who kind of rise to the top as being knowledgeable people start to have you know look to others and when there's tickets uh concert pre-sales and stuff you know people will talk about it the excitement in there gets really high people will share uh you know posters and any images that come out of that tease the album or whatever it all goes there and people engage with it and interact with it it really fuels the conversation around it and makes makes that community of ambassadors tighter knit. I know on the Need to Breathe group recently, um, I wrote an essay about them for my newsletter. I'd shared it there. It did really good numbers for me. If you're a journalist watching, watching or listening to this, if you write about a band, look for their Facebook group and then post something in there because you will get way more traffic because that's, that's, those are the people that want to see that content. That's that it also helps you right there. And I put, you know, I put this need to breathe essay I wrote into their fan group. And then I got a message from the band's publicist who I had emailed it to. He didn't see the email, but he saw it in the fan group because it was getting hundreds of likes. And he was like, oh, I awesome. now care about this piece of content that you've created. Mm -hmm. um, and then the fan group, someone DM me and was like, I've always wanted to have, why isn't there a need to breathe podcast? And now the two of the members of that group got together and made a podcast, which has like, 500, 600 listeners in their first few episodes, each episode, because this community is like, we needed this. You know, you mm -hmm. can find something that your community, your community will tell you what it wants, right? So they want new yep. music, they want music videos, they want this, but then there's all this other stuff that maybe you didn't consider, like, uh, like a podcast, like, oh, we could do that. Well, the band doesn't even have to, because this community will support its own doing that. Um, mm -hmm. And in the case of Jason Isbell, 
his management does not run his fan group, but they know the girl, her name is Ashley. They know her really well. And so they rely on her to kind of be a, a bridge between their camp and the fan base. And she can use that as a way to kind of control the conversation. So a rumor comes out that Jason's new album is gonna feature you know, XYZ artist on it. They can go to her and be like, that's not actually true. Could you just downplay that? And she'll like remove the posts or make a post being like, There's, this, is not, this is not true. Or they have a little bit more of an, a direct line of communication to the audience who might not be on Twitter or Instagram or something like that. They can speak directly to their fans in a controlled environment, you know, almost in real time. So I, I am a big supporter of those. I wish more artists had them. I, I do, I will say as a journalist, I now consider what artists have communities before I write something that's going to take a lot of time. I'm like, oh, I want to write an essay about this band, but is there anywhere I can take it where the people who like this band will actually see it and read it? Because you can't always rely on an artist to promote something. And even if they do, who knows if it's going to get read. <laughs> so I always look for a Reddit community or a Facebook community and Facebook tends to be a little more, more active these days. Okay. Uh, and then I had one more question that actually goes into what you just said about the, the fan group that is not managed by the, the artist management team, but by somebody that they know, do you recommend that the bands or the management team start the group themselves rather than waiting for some random fan to do it? Because I have run into this problem where the fan that created the group is now on a power trip with the band. Oh yeah. And it's because he's <laughs> the creator of the group, he cannot be removed. Yeah, I, <laughs> I, I wield this power. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think it depends, right? So, it, 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 and part of it, it's about the, the community that your music is forming, right? So if you're, mm -hmm. if you're an artist that's writing songs about, you know, <laughs> grabbing life by the horns and being the dominant person, you might want to control your fan group before somebody yep. takes that message to heart and doesn't, doesn't want to relinquish it to you. Um, yep. But if you have a community that's built on, you know, the foundations of a good community and working together and equality and blah, 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 then, you know, maybe you can trust that person, but it is a risk. I mean, you always have the option to start a separate community. I think that's what happened in Need to Breathe's case. There's already kind of a fledgling one. They started their own that they now oversee, but mm -hmm. there are senior positions among the fan base that kind of control what's happening there. But, you know, I think that if there is a fan community, it's to your benefit to try to work with them because that's only going to strengthen how much they want to support your band. Same thing goes for Instagram fan accounts, right? Like sometimes need to breathe another great example. They, they have a really cool fan community on Instagram because somebody runs one that's named after their official fan club. And rather than make a competing one or try to take it from them, the band will just share content that they post and like kind of cross promote that way. And there is a level of blind faith there that the person running the, that Instagram account isn't one day going to be like, uh, kill everybody. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. you know, it's, uh, I guess it's probably a calculated risk on their part. I love, I love it when a, a band can get behind a fan and empower them as the yeah. fan empowers them. It should be that way. But yeah. you know, I don't think there's anything wrong with management kind of taking it under their wing. Just start it under like a real name though. Let let manager George use George's account to start the fan club. <laughs> okay. Yeah. That's yeah. That's what I would prefer is that bands kind of take control of that or at least let somebody that they trust do it before yeah. a fan a rogue fan does it. Because yeah, it's yeah. gotten to the point where there's there's some power trippage and mm -hmm. you know that fan is now posting things on behalf of the band that the band is not supportive of and yeah it's just becoming very messy yeah then it gets yeah 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 then it gets real messy so then i would say like the artist should start their own official mm -hmm. start the official group and yep. then you know and then funnel people, people that way then funnel people that way i mean i really like this band on fearless records called chase atlantic their facebook community they're a younger targeted band they probably target teenagers and people in their early 20s but they have a really fervent community on facebook because the person that runs their group requires um you can you can make it so that people kind of have to fill out an application and so there is like a bit of a control funnel process there where they ask you like who you are where you're from what your favorite song is by the band how you discovered them and stuff and that does kind of add a little extra layer so you don't get infiltrated by a whole bunch of cocky people or whatever mm -hmm. uh, and then the band works directly with them and it's, it's cool to watch those communities kind of thrive on their own they get a little repetitive but i guess all fan communities do there's only so many things to discuss <laughs> Yeah. Um, 
right along from Facebook groups. Uh, so let's mm -hmm. talk a little bit about TikTok. We only got about 10 minutes, James, and we got about two more questions to go over with you still. Okay. Uh, FYI. I'll be so, short. Okay. Uh, you get, you're giving great information. That's part of the problem with these things is that you just, you have so much valuable information and we don't have enough time. Mm -hmm. uh, but so TikTok, can you give a brief rundown on successful actions that you've seen bands do on TikTok? Specifically, mm -hmm. if you could maybe go over the introductory thing that you mentioned the other day in our private thing. Yeah. Uh, well, introductory wise, I think what matters the most that people uh, <clears throat> seem to miss is uh, just telling your story in a condensed way. So uh, a few of the quick TikTok tips that we went over the other day that I think are always vital is that you know, mo the most popular length of a TikTok clip is seven to 16 seconds. Yep. Um, when you post a TikTok, the way that it comes out algorithmically is you post a new clip, that clip gets fed to a small pool of a mix of everyone you follow gets it. And then a mix of verified accounts, long-term accounts and new accounts. And it's there for two hours. And after two hours, TikTok looks at complete views. That's where that seven to 16 seconds comes in as handy likes and shares and comments. And however the algorithm reads that based on the success of that, it then chooses the next size audience pool to serve your content to two hours later, it checks that again. Now, the beauty of TikTok is that it knows people incredibly well. So your content keeps slipping out every two hours to more people, but it's looking at those view times, the comments and the likes to figure out if what you've just made is something that has widespread appeal or something that belongs in a very specific niche. And if you spend a lot of time on TikTok, you'll come across like, you know, miniature little corners of it where people are like, this is emo talk or thick talk yep. or whatever it happens to be. Um, yep. As you go along, that content and it's looking at those details. Even if your content isn't performing super well, TikTok is still seeding it out to that niche. And if it finds the right niche and they like it, then you will see another boost of content down the line. That's why sometimes a TikTok clip that you posted three weeks ago will suddenly take off because TikTok has slowly been trying to figure out where this content belongs, where to service your content. And if it finds a niche where it takes off, then it can have a life of its own way after you posted it, which is something that will never happen on TikTok, Instagram, or Facebook. Like your content lives and dies in like 10 seconds. Um, that's why I think the introductory piece is so well, because an introductory piece of content will help you find that niche as quickly as possible. Like I'm a new artist. Uh, here's where I'm from. Here's what I do. Here's why you should care. Uh, follow along for more. That's all you need to tell me. Show me some really cool, interesting visuals. If I like that area of music or that thing that you're doing, I'm going to like it and you'll be spread out to more people in my niche and hopefully you'll finally find your way out there. What I see too often is that an artist gets on and does, there's actually a whole lane of TikTok now where people parody this approach to making content on TikTok where someone will be like, hi, my name is John and this is my song. My parents told me that if I don't get 10,000 plays in the next week, they're going to kick me out. So TikTok, I'm asking you, help me get those plays. And nobody cares. Like you haven't given us any reason to care about you because like we all have uh, dreams that might go unfulfilled. Like, you know, you gotta yep. give me more reason to click play other than saving you whatever trouble you may be in. Um, so I always tell people just be authentic. Like tell us your story. Why should I care? It's the same thing I ask when writing bios. Like, why should I care about you? Like, what is the thing that you have to bring me that I've never seen before? And even if you're a band that plays music that sounds exactly like something else, you can still leverage the fact that you're doing that. Like Greta Van Fleet leverages the fact that they sound like a bunch of old rock bands. That's mm -hmm. why they, they, they found their niche. As yeah. the, you know, that's how the algorithm figured them out. They're like, oh, people that like all these old bands like them. So they, mm -hmm. they found their successful pocket. Um, beyond that, beyond the short videos and beyond doing introductory content, I think you should use, you should make your music a sound, but don't use it too much. Uh, there's, um, there's an artist right now called Stellar who had a song called Ashes last year, went super mm -hmm. viral on the platform. It has like 80 million plays on Spotify. Mm -hmm. He's put out three more songs since then. One of them got to 2 million plays. The rest are well under that. And every single TikTok on his account is promoting this song Ashes. And all of his comments have slowly become, we get it. You put out a song. Like That's all awesome. you do is use your own song. So it's now it's like it's, it's turned right? He used it too much. And now people are like, we're over this. Mm -hmm. You aren't even promoting your new music because you don't think it's going to be as big as the old song. So mm -hmm. 
I, I tell everyone to upload their own track to see, cause you never know what's going to take off, what somebody will find, but don't rely on just like, it's, it's just like Twitter or Instagram. You can't just tell people to buy your song all the time. You got to yeah. be creating original content. Just let me into your world. I, I know that you make music. That's clear. What mm. else do you bring to the, why would we be friends? Why should I care about you as a human being? That's, that's what kind of content ultimately thrives on TikTok or something very silly. I think that that's the kind of content that thrives most places, though, is anything that creates an emotional investment with your fans. The more emotionally invested they are in the band, the more likely they are to continue to support you. I mean, and that's that's true with most anything on social media. People want to feel that connection. It's not just, you know, some faceless, well, not faceless, but some out there group that people idolize like it used to be in the 80s and the 90s where that wall is between the artists. People don't want that anymore. So um yeah no you're absolutely right i also one other quick thing is uh, if you have the ability to make short songs this is like a thing that i really love about tiktok lately is there are these artists out there who write real who make real music who write, make full three and a half minute songs but they use tiktok as a means to showcase their skills as songwriters by just writing like really short little ditties that exist only on tiktok there's this rapper called Budman. I'm trying to think of what his handle is right now. I'm going to look at my TikTok to tell you what his handle is. Um, but he makes 30 second rap songs and they always end with him saying it's Budman. And if you go to Spotify and look up Budman, he has like 20,000 listeners right now. And it just blew up in the last week because he had one rap that got like 4.5 million views. But each video is the 30 second clip. It's just him rapping and it's usually framed really well. It's usually visually compelling, but not over the top. It's just him sitting, staring at the camera. And it's, it it's shows you what he does. And then you go to his page and you check out his music and maybe not everyone's going to be converted, but it's such good marketing, right? Cause I know who he is. I know what he does. I know what he sounds like. And I can seek out more if I'm interested. I think that's a really smart marketing play. What is your favorite metal bands, TikTok? Ooh, I don't know. Or like I your top one. three. I don't know if I have one, my favorite metal band on TikTok. See, I don't, the problem is that I don't know a lot of metal bands on TikTok. I've seen a few this week because Curtis and I inspired a few to start accounts. <laughs> so, they, yep. so they've reached out to me, which I really appreciate. But you know, the truth is I haven't seen, I'm trying to think of the guy's name. There are these two guys on TikTok I keep seeing who have a band and they made, they made a video series where they do like cheesy pickup lines as breakdown callouts. So it's like, they're just in their oh, home that's studio. That's hilarious. Yeah, so it's in their home studio and you hear like the dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun. And then the break comes and they're just like, are you uh, whatever because this? And then the smash hits and they just take turns saying cheesy pickup lines together. And it kind of takes off. And then people cut that big clip into smaller audio and use it in their own videos. It's like a really cool promotional idea. Um, so that's, I mean, I like that. I, there's a couple of drummers I follow who just play over random stuff. Like sometimes it'll be a song or sometimes they'll play along to something that isn't even musical just to like kind of accompany it. I think mm -hmm. that that's really engaging. I always look at who their band is because I'm like, what is, who has this kind of time on their hands? Um, and then recently I, yeah, I don't, I'm trying to think if I have another metal example. I, I don't, I wish I did. There's a lot of room for it, I think. Yeah, that's the thing is that there's not a lot of metal bands getting involved with TikTok and it's the same strategies that work for like pop and rap won't necessarily work for like death metal. So mm -hmm. well, man, I, you know, we I saw somebody, I, I've seen a, a creator recently who was trying to teach people how to scream, uh, how to scream like a hardcore artist or a metal artist. Mm -hmm. And yep. then people were replying and asking them to scream different things, which I thought was kind of a fun lane to kind of pick up on. So they taught them something useful. And then the viewers not only learned something, but then they're like, we could have fun with this. So what if you sang the McDonald's jingle, but you did it as a hardcore scream? So their next oh video my is gosh. Like, bah, 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 I, should, <laughs> I should have the vocalist for the band that I manage start doing death metal growls of like Taylor Swift or something. Yeah, there you go. See, that's, <laughs> that's the thing. I think that that's the content people like. And you could take... You could do this short song idea that I just said and apply it to this. So maybe you don't come up with an original song as a metal artist, but you find some instrumental tracks and you just do the metal, like you just do really tiny metal covers. Because if people, one of the oldest trick in the book for metal bands to get widespread attention is to do a cover of a popular song that exists in pop music or hip hop. So like mm -hmm. just find those, find those beats on YouTube, 
and upload that clip of you doing the hardcore remix of some song or um, the breakdown from Olivia Rodrigo's driver's license, the, the big bridge at the end of the song. I've seen a few punk artists do their version of that and some of them ended up on Spotify with it, but that kind of stuff always does really well. So if you're a, if you have talent as a guitar player or a screamer or bass player, any, any position you have in a metal band, leverage the songs that are popular, you know? Um, the Astronaut and the Ocean song that's blowing up right now came from TikTok, a rap song from Australia. And it has this a sick bass line at the beginning of it. I would love to see a metal artist turn that into like a, a black metal version of that or something like that, you know? Like take a song, play it the way that it is, and then play it how you would play it. You know, like this is the melody to this song. Now here's what happens when I use my tone, my pedals to do this and it's blah, 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 blah. Yeah, that would be fantastic. So there's a good way for, for metal bands to get started with TikTok is just find the popular stuff and metalify it. Because yeah, honestly, metal I up <laughs> metal covers of non-metal songs. I love them so much. Mm -hmm. Like the, uh, oh God, I'm not, I'm not even going to try to say his last name, but Leo from Frog Leap Studios, where that's pretty much all he does. He did yeah. a cover of WAP and it's freaking hilarious if you have not seen the video there's a puppet of a cat involved it's like <laughs> the cat taking a shower because it's a you know wet at anyway um <laughs> so there's there's a guy on tiktok hilarious. that just that just records uh who will record your voicemail for you in a in a metalcore voice who'll just oh, like, somebody awesome. and be like can you do my voicemail and he'll be like you reached victoria's phone and we'll just like <laughs> go with it for a while i mean uh, looking at tiktok right now the metalcore hashtag has 200 and almost 250 million views so there is an audience for metalcore content on tiktok and so if you're an artist out there take advantage of that there's clearly a whole community of people who like that kind of content so oh, yeah definitely <laughs> Well, we were actually thinking, well, I brought it up the other day that we were going to start our own little TikTok thing and put clients and stuff up on there and just see, kind of test it to see how it goes. So these are some good ideas. Corey, do you have anything more on TikTok before we move on to Twitter? Um, no, no, we should probably move on to Twitter because we only have like seven minutes left. Yeah, so this is going to be tight, 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 James. Okay. So let's talk about Twitter for a brief moment. Can you kind of go over some tips and tricks for bands on Twitter? Mm. Uh, uh, questions again, always be asking questions, not, not too often, um, give people, uh, ask for recommendations for things is, is a more specific question. You know, what, what, what should I watch tonight? Uh, yep. do you prefer HBO max or Netflix? Ask basic things like that, just to get a conversation started. Um, I always tell people to reply to every tweet if you possibly can. Um, yep. <clears throat> one of my artists only replies to tweets with gifts, which I think is, it's just like a thing that they do. And so they'll, every week they'll pick a different like type of gift. Like one week it was the comedian Pete Holmes. So every mm -hmm. tweet that we got was a reaction gift from Pete Holmes or something like that, just to be weird. Just to, something that people notice if they follow over time, they're like, why do they always do this? Okay. Um, <clears throat> use countdowns of stuff. If you're going to post video content, make it native to, to Twitter. You can find the video size, make sure you're using the right frame frame size. Um, use, I always tell people to use Canva for stuff. Canva has a lot of really cool pre-made layouts that you can make fun content with, and they're already made for Twitter. You can just type in, you know, Twitter post, and then we'll give you a thousand ideas for what to do with that. Um, and uh, don't like, I, I often uh, sometimes will just look up things that the band writes songs about. Like one of my artists has a song about Ram Dass, the mindfulness leader. And so we've started looking for people who are tweeting about Ram Dass in a way that might make them interested in the music and, and following mm -hmm. them or engaging with them in hopes that when we get to the song, they'll, they'll slowly put the pieces together. But we uh, made a list of everything that the artist talks about and is like a theme of his music and a theme of how we present ourselves and the themes of our branding. And we've started to look for people on these platforms that talk about these things or like these things and engaging with them to start building up that awareness, hopefully building followers. And then when we're ready to drop this new album, they'll be like, oh, this is why they followed me all along. Like, oh, here's something that's catering to my interests. Yeah. Okay. Um, so now one thing I, I kind of feel about Twitter, I kind of want to know how you feel about this, is I think that when a band is starting out, instead of trying to get original content, they should just be searching for people that are interested in their genre and just engaging with them. Cause I've found bands can make sales just by not even pushing their stuff but by just engaging in conversations. Do you find that too or what? Absolutely. Um, and, and sometimes if you're a band that, uh, if you're one of those bands that 
other bands know really well, it can yep. really benefit you sometimes just to be engaging in conversations with other artists. One of my bands was away for a few years and came back. And when they started tweeting about stuff, they would interact with artists that they used to tour with or artists that they felt were in a similar vein. And what ended up happening is some of these artists that are very successful would tweet and be like, oh my God, I didn't realize you were back or like everyone, you should follow this band. They took us mm -hmm. out on tour and we were a baby band. So cool to see them back. And now their fans become our fans because they get that cosign. Yep. Yep. The all important cosine of like, yep. so that's, I mean, that's a good reason to, that, that alone is a good reason to just talk to labels, talk to other bands, talk to artists is not, and again, not selling, not stream this, not buy yep. this. Just like, yep. you want to be likable. You just want to be, yep. a, you just want to be a, a, a dude or yeah, a dude, of what, you know, somebody people yep. want to be around. <laughs> but key to all this, the one thing that a lot of bands will miss, uh, especially when they tweet from their personal profiles, they don't put a link to their stuff mm -hmm. in bio and i think that's kind of a key point because a lot of times if you interact with someone on twitter they're going to go check out your profile and if you have a link to your band they'll just click right through it and i think that's also a key point as well yes and um, uh, also do not do not if you get in trouble do not make a notes app apology we don't <laughs> It's, you know it's, it's the wrong, do not make a notes app apology. Like when, 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 when an artist gets yelled at or somebody accuses an artist of something, the oh, yeah. instinct is to write something on the note app on iPhone and then yep. just screenshot that and put it as a tweet because it's longer. Yep. Don't yep. do that. It's, yep. it's, bad, it's a bad move. Um, I, I saw it happen in the last 24 hours. An artist was uh, just kind of accused of being an, an egomaniacal person in, in the context of their band. And yep. everyone got upset at that artist. And that artist then posted you know, a, a series of notes app screenshots. And everybody was immediately like, dog, this is not the way to do this. <laughs> like this is like, it only made things worse because it feels like, it feels like you read a tweet and then you immediately opened the first app that came to mind and wrote something without thinking about what you're saying, right? It doesn't feel authentic. It feels like a reactionary. So <clears throat> must respond, take some time to do so, make a video, uh, make a formal statement that's not actually a notes app, but yeah. uh, all the artists out there, there's the band Heart Attack Man from early in our conversation has a song on Spotify right now called Notes App Apology that's making fun of this. And I think they've kind that's of me. put the nail in the coffin on the topic, but yes, avoid, avoid notes apps. <laughs> the other thing, just also avoid tweeting anything potentially controversial, I think is probably a key point that yeah. everybody keep in mind as well you i mean people like to know that you have a stance on things but the something me and my artists always talk about is unless we are 100 firm and what we think about this thing let's yep. not talk about it so yep. like like if you're trying to tell me you know, godzilla versus kong which one's going to win that's fine but yep. if it's if it's like a geopolitical and yep. we're 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 dum-dums let's yep. not try to <laughs> chime in yep. on it until we know what we're talking about <laughs> that type and yeah, I agree 100%. Um, I think that's pretty much all the time we got. Corey, do you <sighs> before uh, we let James go? No, I think this has been a lot of information for people to digest. And we'll definitely have to have you back because yep. there is so much going on in that brain of yours. Yes. Thanks. So, <laughs> James, that, do you have, it's a good thing. It's a good thing. Okay. Do, you, do you have any final thoughts before we uh, end off, James? Um, final thoughts, final thoughts. Uh, yep. hmm. Uh, be easy with yourselves. It's all a trial and error process. Uh, I think everyone should at least give TikTok a try or start watching it if you want. That, that's a fun time. Um, please check out uh, my podcast, High Notes. <laughs> New season dropping soon. So I'm on the promotional circuit slowly but surely. And, um, you know, ask yourself what you want to talk about. When, not just with your music, but like forget that you're an artist ask yourself what you actually talk about. Like something, someone recently challenged me and said, how would you describe yourself without describing what you do? So without talking about being a musician, how do you tell somebody who you are? Figure out the answer to that question and then build your content strategy around whatever you came up with as an answer. So okay, like, so my feed is just gonna be like videos of me hitting myself in the face. Yes, I mean, look okay. at how well it performed. I mean, look, we're still talking about it the next day. That's quality content. In my case, like, like uh, if I remove the music aspect, I care about like kaijus, uh, my cats, my dog tulip, iced coffee, books, and um, 
and that's pretty much my whole life outside of music. So if you look at my content outside of promoting the things I make, that's pretty much all I ever talk about are those topics. And it might not make me the most famous person in the world, but my followers know exactly what to expect from me. So much so that when they see a funny Godzilla meme out in the wild, they'll just tag me. They won't even like message me. They'll just tag me in it somewhere else so that I see it and make sure. So I know that people understand who I am as a creative person because they get my actual interests beyond the thing that I'm always trying to sell them. And I think musicians, you want the same thing. You want to kind of be synonymous with the things that you like, not just who you are as an artist. You want people to be like, oh, that they're, they're in the wild. They see Godzilla. They think of you because you like Godzilla. That's, that's how you know your marketing and branding is working because now you're mm -hmm. infiltrating their life even when they're not thinking about music. So that's, I think that that's a good approach. So I guess if I could just end with anything, it'd be a challenge to figure out how you describe yourself without involving music. And, and whatever that is, try to think about how you can incorporate <coughs> that into your strategies. Brilliant. Okay. That's definitely a good note to end on. Thanks. Well, party on, Corey. Party on, Curtis. Party on, James. Party on. If you enjoyed this podcast, please help spread the word by leaving us a five-star review on your platform of choice. You can also join the conversation by following us on any social media and suggesting guests or topics you'd like to learn more about. Thanks for listening to C-Squared.